Hi, my name is Kira, and recently, memory lapses almost ruined my life. Now I'm back to normal and remember almost everything with ease. Well, my memory problems didn't start at birth. All junior high and first years of high school, I remembered absolutely everything. I was a great student, memorized stuff easily, and even helped my friends with their lessons. Kira has a phenomenal memory, the teacher said. She can memorize long poems, formulas, and dates very quickly. You have to use that ability. My parents were thrilled. They complimented me all the time and said that they had high hopes for my amazing memory. I won school competitions. I was the best in my class and even in the whole school. However, my triumph didn't last long. If in junior high school, they still wanted to be friends with me because I was the smartest, then in high school, of course, I had my detractors. Those of you who are at least once the best at something know how it is. One day you get a round of applause, and the next day they're calling you names behind your back. That's exactly what happened to me. My first enemy was Olivia. We went to different schools in junior high, and she was the best at hers. Now she had a rival in my person. At first, Olivia took my progress as a challenge. Kira, congratulations, you did the best on the test. My teacher complimented me one day. Olivia snorted loudly and hissed, leaning toward her friend. Big deal, one time. Let's see who's the best next week. But next week too, my test was judged the best. And next week, and the next week. That's how Olivia knew I wasn't just a misunderstanding, but a real competitor and an enemy. One day, a classmate caught me in the school hallway, pinned me against the wall and blurted it out. Listen, you! If you think you're the smartest, I hasten to disappoint you. I've collected every award in my school, and I'm going to do it again. But what can I do if I have a perfect memory? I shrugged my shoulders. Just admit it that you're number two now, that's all. Olivia recoiled from me and stared wide-eyed. She looked like I'd punched her in the face. Number two? We'll see about that. I would do anything to make my parents proud. And the classmate wasn't lying. I wasn't too worried at the time. What's she gonna do? Kill me? That's ridiculous. I didn't even tell my parents about the story, but Olivia was determined. She and her friends were going to teach me a lesson. The girls broke into my locker, stuffed it full of books, and broke the lock. When I tried to open the locker door to put my things, it didn't open right away. I pulled the door as hard as I could. It flew open, and a ton of heavy books and textbooks fell on my head. In fact, that was the beginning of the worst chapter of my life. After the blows on my head, I lost consciousness. I didn't know what kind of books those bitches had put in there. Probably all the volumes of a medical encyclopedia. I woke up already in the hospital. The first thing I saw were my parents' upset faces. Kira, my mother exclaimed. How are you feeling, honey? What happened? I couldn't remember anything at all. My parents told me about the locker in the books. The doctors reassured my parents. They said it was just a minor bruise and that it wouldn't affect my life in any way. For about an hour, my mom and dad calmed me down and promised me I'd be home in a couple of days. You need more sleep now, he said. Dad stroked my head. We'll definitely visit you tomorrow. But at that moment, I suddenly looked at my parents fearfully and asked, Where am I? What happened? And that's when mom and dad realized that the bruise wasn't so minor. Yes, I had blackouts and they reoccurred so often that every hour, my parents had to from the beginning to tell me where I was and what had happened. 
The doctors were just throwing up their hands. They took all the necessary x-rays and found nothing wrong. From that moment on, however, my life changed completely. At first, my parents still hoped that returning to my familiar surroundings would help me with my memory lapses. However, on the first day I had a real tantrum, when I suddenly found myself in the middle of the school hallway. I had completely forgotten how I woke up this morning, how I was going to school, and I didn't remember the way to school either. No, schooling is out of the question, said a worried dad. Only distance learning. But distance learning wasn't going to do any good either. Once I had learned something, within an hour, I couldn't remember anything I'd learned. That's how my successes ended. And most importantly, I didn't know who had set up the textbook incident. I vaguely remember disturbing Olivia's life, but I couldn't remember our last conversation or anything that might have pointed to a classmate. But I was sure that one day I would remember everything and find the culprit that was phenomenal. My memory would now be considered by the Dory Fish. About a week after I switched, after I switched to homeschooling, someone rang our doorbell. I went downstairs and froze. Standing on the doorstep was Olivia and her friends. My mom, who had opened the door for guests, I think she was confused too. I'd been sick the whole time. None of my classmates or school friends had ever come to see me. Oh, that's right. I don't have any friends. Kira, how are you feeling? We came to check on you. Olivia seemed very sincere, and so did the girls who decided to keep her company. Seemed pretty friendly. I sensed some kind of unease, but I couldn't figure out what I didn't like. My mother invited my classmates into the house. She set the table, and we all sat down for tea. You really don't remember anything at all? Olivia asked me thoughtfully. I remember things until I black out. I don't remember much since then, since I came to my senses. I explained. What do the doctors say? Will your memory come back? My mom explained to the girls that the doctors are trying to help me. But so far, the therapy is having very little effect. The girls were relieved and looked at each other. I was very pleased that they cared about me. However, by the end of the tea party, I had lost some of my memory again. Olivia? Girls? What are you doing here? I stared at the guests in surprise, and they stared at me. Your friends are here to see you, said my mother patiently. Friends? I don't remember having any friends at all. Olivia suddenly jumped to me and took my hand. Of course we're friends, Kira. You're so good, and you're about to be the best in school again. The girl almost cried, and I smiled back at her. Weird. My scrappy memories were telling me that she and I were major enemies. But how could an enemy care so much? I must have got it all wrong. One morning, my mother left me home alone. She needed to get to the office right away. I'll sign the papers and be right back, honey. Don't worry, I smiled. I'll just lie down and watch the show. Nothing will happen. But about 15 minutes after mom left, the doorbell rang. I had to go downstairs and open it. There was Olivia on the doorstep. Hi, Kira. I took the afternoon off from class and I thought, why don't we go for a walk together? You probably don't get out of the house at all. Yeah, I rarely went out and I only went out with my parents. We were always in a hurry to get back before I'd forgotten everything again. I don't even know. It was scary to leave home without my mom and dad, but Olivia was my friend. We'll just go for a ride in the park and come back. I got changed, got on my friend's bike, and we rode. We rode quite a long time. I was beginning to get worried. In general, I remembered my neighborhood, but at some point I realized 
I didn't recognize the houses and cafes we were passing. Aren't we far away? I got worried. No, we're right down the street. Olivia smiled. You poor thing, your memory lapses. I calmed down. Yes, it was probably my memory that was playing tricks on me again. Finally, we stopped. I got off the bike and looked around. There were only abandoned houses and deserted streets around. This isn't a park. I think I took a wrong turn. Olivia was puzzled. Let me ask someone for directions, because my phone is dead. The phone! I forgot all about it! My cell phone is on the bed in my room. I must hurry back in case my mother comes looking for me. Stay here and don't go anywhere, my friend told me and drove around the corner. And then I lost my memory again. I found myself in the middle of an unfamiliar street with no memory of how I got here. I was in such a panic. What am I going to do now? Where are my parents and where is my home? Why didn't I have my phone with me and where had all the people gone? Crying, I sat down on the sidewalk. Hey, miss. I looked up and saw a man. He was looking out the window of his car, coming out of nowhere. Is something wrong? I'm lost. I don't know where I am or how to get home. Wow. Do you remember your address? I'll give you a lift. The man seemed friendly enough. He got out of the car and headed towards me. But then my memory, which had failed me time and again, reminded me of maniacs and murderers who also looked nice and then lure their victims into a trap. Stay away from me! I screamed at the top of my lungs. Miss, I'm a policeman. The man went to his pocket for some reason. I thought for sure he was going to kill me. So I jumped up and ran down the street as far as I could see. But I didn't run for long. I tripped on the uneven pavement and fell down, hitting my head as hard as I could. I woke up again in the hospital. And again, my parents were leaning over me. Kira! My mother was crying now. Did you find me? That's good. I went with Olivia and I got lost and that man. You remember everything? Yes. After another stroke, my memory magically came back to me. And now I remember everything. The feud with Olivia and her threats and how she showed up at my house pretending to be my friend. Sometimes people cross the line to be the best they can be. Like Olivia, trying to get her parents' approval. She went completely off the rails. My classmate was just trying to teach me a lesson by doing that prank with the textbooks. But when I lost my memory, I realized I overreacted. It's one thing to have a bump, but it's another to lose consciousness and amnesia. Olivia was afraid of getting kicked out of school for that prank, or even go to jail. So she first made sure I remembered very little, and then decided to play it safe and take me away to another neighborhood, leaving me alone. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? I don't know what would have happened to me if it hadn't been for that policeman. Even on his day off, he couldn't get past a damsel in distress. Olivia didn't go to jail, but now she has to work with a psychologist all the time. And I'm back to being the best student ever. If you were me, would you forgive Olivia? Be sure to share your thoughts in the comments below this clip. Hi everyone, my name is Cassie, and I'm so perfect that all the boys lose their heads over me. However, at some point, all that changed. Well, I'm so perfect that I shine brighter than the sun. I mean, there's got to be a reason why all guys lose their head over me, and probably their vision, because I'm a real dazzler. Every one of them dreams of being my boyfriend, and I'm hoping amongst all this mighty crowd to find the one who will also dazzle me with his brilliance, and ideally with some diamonds. 
boys fight for my attention all the time. I'm used to it. Once, two boys even did a motorbike race for me. I sat bored in the bleachers of the stadium, painting my nails while they rode around. I have no idea what they were trying to accomplish. I left the stadium immediately after a local rich kid texted me. Oh, you have no idea how long I've been on the hunt for him. For the first time in my life, I had to chase someone instead of turning around and laughing at the poor saps who tried to chase me. But unfortunately, I got my hopes up for nothing when Mark asked me out. He just invited me to a party and then he just treated me like a friend. But it's better than sitting in the stadium and waiting for two idiots to finish a useless race. Anyway, I was enjoying my life as Miss Perfect. At some point, however, I sensed something wasn't right. In fact, I noticed various prophetic signs as early as this morning. For instance, my hair dryer stopped working. I accidentally broke a nail with a nail file. How is that possible? Well, somehow it is possible. I must have been cursed by some evil nail master spirit. Also, I was in such a hurry to get to school. I wore a shirt that totally didn't match the skirt. At first, I wasn't surprised that the boys weren't paying attention to me. After all, I wasn't in the best shape and they must have noticed my broken nail. However, it turned out to be much worse. A new girl came to our school, who wowed absolutely everyone with her beauty. Even Mark, who I'd been chasing. That's when I knew I was screwed. Not only was she more perfect than me, I wasn't even in the best shape that day. And the new Miss Perfect also noticed my broken nail, my flawed hairstyle, and my horrible shirt. Who is that? I asked my classmate. Her name is Rebecca, and she's joining our class. What? She's going to be our classmate? Oh, no. As soon as the new girl walked into class, I was afraid that all the guys were going to choke on their drool. How pathetic and ridiculous they look. I decided heavily and sent out a group message that I was inviting everyone to the party on Saturday. After all, I've been in the school longer than Rebecca, and I've built up quite a reputation. Plus, my parties are legendary but no one showed up on Saturday. I, of course, was outraged, so I tried to find out where everyone had gone. As it turned out, Rebecca was also having a party that day, and everyone went to her place because she had a pool and a cool DJ was playing. This is outrageous! I yelled out. I was so angry, I smashed a carafe full of punch. I couldn't take it anymore, and I went to the party too. I wanted to know what I was being traded for. There was lots of delicious food and drinks. Guys were swimming in the pool, and the DJ was rocking the crowd on the dance floor. Whatever, nothing fancy, just a regular party. Mine would be cooler. When Rebecca approached me with a tray of snacks on it, I gave her an arrogant look and smacked her on the arm. And all the food went flying onto the ground. Who do you think you are? You come to our school and decide you're in charge? No, that's not going to work. I'm in charge. You're nobody and will stay that way if you continue to show off. The new girl started crying. I was pleased with myself for bringing Rebecca to tears, but I didn't expect all the boys to turn against me. The boys immediately started calming her down. Why did you come here? You've only spoiled everyone's mood. Get lost. Their bluntness made me gasp for air. Rebecca was embraced by my admirers and I was supposed to leave? What, am I in a parallel universe? I had no other choice. I left the party in tears. The next day, I was in for a real shock. Mark gifted Rebecca a red Porsche. He was moved by the girl's tears 
that he decided to cheer her up. Happy Rebecca hugged the boy and kissed him on the cheek, while I burned with jealousy and anger. Porsche? Seriously? Just over some tears? If I had known it was that easy, I'd be throwing tantrums for Mark every week. I wanted to throw rotten eggs at that car, but that would probably ruin my reputation even more. Instead, I decided to be friends with Rebecca, and then after, I discovered all her secrets. Destroy her. But as soon as I approached the new girl, she was immediately surrounded by her high school football players, who used to carry me in their arms. Stay away from her. One of them said, I just wanted to talk. You already talked once and made Rebecca cry. We won't let her get hurt. You go near her again, and we won't let you get away with it. Got it? Threatened the other one. Holy crap. Are they all crazy? Maybe Rebecca had some kind of magic and put a spell on all the guys. I thought nobody would ever look at me now, but I still had admirers outside of school. So I decided to start dating one of those motorbike guys who did a race in my honor back then. His name was Zach. He won, by the way. We drove up to the supermarket on this awesome motorbike, and we looked great. Right up until the moment when Rebecca and Mark pulled up in their limo. They made us look lame and ridiculous. At the store, Mark was buying Rebecca everything she pointed her finger at, and I had to choke down a cheap candy bar because my boyfriend spent most of his money on gas. Hey, I caught Mark by the arm and took him aside. Do you know she's taking advantage of you? Rebecca's a nice girl, and she's not capable of that. You, on the other hand, really liked my money, and you were the one who wanted to take advantage of me, so back off. He pushed me away and walked over to Rebecca holding a brand new purse. No, that's not how it works. If this little upstart thought she could outshine me, she's dead wrong, because I wasn't about to give up without a fight. First, I decided to find out more about who Rebecca was. Luckily, my boyfriend's dad was a cop, so I was able to get some information about her. Turns out, Rebecca and I went to the same primary schools. I immediately remembered an invisible girl who I used to make fun of a lot. No one ever noticed her because all the attention was on me. Was she now determined to get back at me? I also found out that one time, Rebecca got into a serious fight with some girl and her parents got a fine. Hmm, why don't I just get her involved in a fight? Then her reputation would definitely be ruined. Well, why would you do that, Cassie? Zach asked while waxing his bike. I want my reputation back. I want everyone to lose their head over me again. But you already have me. Why do you need others? The guy hugged me, and I wanted to scream at his stupidity. What do you mean, why? Zach was not the best option. I wanted guys like Mark, not poor guys on motorbikes. You wouldn't understand. It's, you know, a girl thing. I giggled stupidly. The next day, I did my best to provoke Rebecca, but she remained calm. And I was about to say goodbye to my reputation at school forever when I overheard a very interesting conversation. Rebecca was talking to my classmate and telling her how annoying Mark was and that she only puts up with him because of the money. She also added that she's sick of all her followers and that she wanted to steal my boyfriend. Wow, that was unexpected. It's a good thing I filmed the whole thing. I told Zach about it, but he wasn't supportive. Well, why don't you post that video for all to see? It'll only help her, and now she's suffering. But then everyone will be disappointed in her, and I'll go back to being Miss Perfect. To me, you're already perfect, and I would never look at someone like Rebecca. I don't know why, but his words really impressed me. No one had ever said anything to me like that before. 
and Zach was able to surprise me and make me feel good without money or gifts. But despite that, I didn't want to back down from my plan. Putting the video online was too easy. What about playing it during our traditional end-of-school-year ball? The effect would be amazing. For me, of course. When I got to the prom, I wasn't surprised to see all the guys hanging around Rebecca. Hardly anyone paid any attention to me. And I was about to get the memory stick to the prom host when I noticed something. Rebecca was reluctantly dancing with every guy and kept looking at me. I noticed the look of dissatisfaction on her face. Well, of course, but I couldn't care less about her and the new girl just wanted to make me suffer. I looked at the memory stick, smiled, and put it away in my clutch. Zach was right. There's no need to ruin anything because Rebecca, sooner or later, will ruin everything herself when she gets tired of the circus. I left the ball with a happy look on my face and went to my boyfriend's. So shall we go for a ride on the bike? I asked. Whatever you want, he answered. For the first time, I enjoyed our time together. We went to a secluded place, watched the sunset, and cuddled. At that moment, I didn't care about Mark or my reputation at school, and I certainly didn't care about Rebecca. But on the very last day of school, something interesting happened. As I walked down the corridor, I was suddenly attacked from behind. It was Rebecca. She started a fight right in front of everyone. You always piss me off. You drive me crazy now. I've done everything I can to ruin your reputation, and you don't even respond to it, she yelled. Everyone was shocked, and I pulled out one of her tricks and started crying. All the guys immediately ran up to me to console me. Even Mark came to my defense. That was the moment Rebecca destroyed herself and ran away from school in shame. You were right about her, Mark said. I'm sorry I didn't believe you at first. Do you want to go out sometime? He smiled and took my hand. Get lost, I said calmly. I'm not interested in people like you anymore. Everyone was shocked when I blew off this rich kid. I was relieved. I got my reputation back. Mark asked me out on a date, and I had the nerve to reject him in front of everyone. And then there was my boyfriend, Zach, waiting for me outside of school, who wouldn't trade me for any Rebecca. Being perfect is great, and being surrounded by admirers is fine too, but it's more important to be surrounded by people who see more than just your perfect looks. They see your soul. Zach made me realize that. And now I'm happy. Do you consider yourself a perfect person? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested in reading them. And be sure to share this video with your friends. I stepped back in fear, thinking I was dead. With my back against the wall, I squeezed my eyes shut and couldn't hold back a scream. Now this huge hot dog was going to kill me for sure. Why did we even come out of the bunker? Hi, my name's Stacy. And I lived in a bunker with my family for 17 years, and it honestly wasn't the best idea to come out of there. But back to me and the killer hot dog, which was reaching out to me. He must have had a gun in there. I screamed even louder, and I think the hot dog himself was scared by my scream. Come on, it's just a flyer for a coffee shop. You don't have to react like that. No, I mean, I know I've pissed off everyone in this neighborhood, but your reaction, miss, is very hurtful, you know. What? You can talk? I asked with a dumbfounded expression, touching a soft hot dog. It's strange. It's made of some kind of material. 
pleasant to the touch. Isn't it real? Of course I can. I'm actually a human being too, and you should respect my work. An offended hot dog threw some colorful flyers at my feet and walked away to my loud laughter. I can calm down when I imagined what the whole situation looked like from the outside. And I didn't know people here dressed up in food costumes to promote the food itself. Well, that's not a bad move. I took the flyer and went to the cafe to get my free hot dog. And while I ate the tastiest food in the world, sitting at a table, I thought about my parents, who are probably looking all over town for me. We came out of the bunker not long ago. Honestly, I thought I'd spend my whole life in it, because mom and dad were terrified of the outside world. They always told me it wasn't safe here, and I believed them, even though it made me sad. We had a lot of books in the bunker, and I read them every day, and they were so interesting and exciting. I wanted to see more and more of the outside world every day. But then, something clicked in their heads, and they realized that they couldn't keep me in isolation forever. So when I turned 17, we went out on the surface, and I was blown away by how big and noisy the world really was. Honestly, I was expecting to see vast oceans and pirates. And by the way, I did see them, except they weren't sailing in a huge ship. They were entertaining children near some tall building. I ran up to them with a happy smile, and I told them I wanted to be a pirate too, to look for treasure. The pirate even got confused, and I took away his sword and began to scare the children, thinking that they probably want to take the chest of gold. But the children were not frightened. They laughed and shouted for joy, and one of them even took my sword and bent it. It's not real? I wondered. Of course it isn't real, the pirate grumbled. So you're not a real pirate? I was about to burst into tears. Girl, are you out of the woods? Pirate don't exist since a long time ago. Now go away and don't interfere with children's party. Not only had I been insulted, but I was disappointed in pirates. But that wasn't the worst part. I lost my head so much in joy when I saw the pirates that I ran away from my parents and got lost. At first, panic overwhelmed me, and I couldn't breathe. The high-rises were floating in front of my eyes, and my head was spinning. But when I calmed down, I realized this was a great chance to explore the real world. I was sure my parents had limited me in many ways. And then, an epic encounter with the hot dog happened, which scared the crap out of me. Because I didn't know that food had learned to walk. But as it turned out, it was just a man who made me try a hot dog for the first time in my life. To be honest, I was getting pretty tired of canned food. When I walked out of the cafe, insanely happy, I almost got hit by a car on the road. Look where you're going! The driver shouted at me. You watch where you're going! Can't you see that the light is red? Girls aren't allowed to cross the road on red. The driver, upon hearing this, wagged his finger at my temple, and I showed him my tongue and crossed the road still, even though other cars were honking their horns. Oh, what strange rules they have! Who decided to discriminate against women and forbid them to cross the road at a red light? But as soon as I stepped back from that rudeness, someone grabbed my arm. Jin, how many times do we have to look for you? We're in the middle of a photo shoot. There was a disgruntled woman standing in front of me I've never seen before in my life. But I didn't. Let's go, otherwise Alex will be furious. What's the matter with you anyway? You're dressed like you just got out of the bunker. But I am. That's a good one, Jean.
But now is not the time for it. I spent the whole trip trying to explain to the stranger that she'd mistaken me with someone else. But the woman was either on the phone with someone else or she wasn't paying attention to me. We arrived at some studio. The photographer looked at me unhappily and said I looked terrible. Is everyone here so rude? I got indignant and crossed my arms. You act like it's your first day on the job, girl. Alex snorted. Run and get changed. I don't want to see that trash on you again. They took me to a room with a big mirror, and I got makeup and cool fancy clothes, which were more like shapeless rags. How are my clothes any worse? They're even better. What kind of fashion is this? During the photo shoot, Alex kept yelling at me because my posing was awful, and I didn't know how else to stand. I wanted to cry and go back to the bunker because my loving parents were waiting for me there, not angry photographers. You're crying too? You're crazy. We're gonna have to do your makeup all over again. I'm not Jin, leave me alone. Have you been out till morning again? You feel very bad if you don't get enough sleep. That's enough, I'm leaving. They tried to stop me. Fortunately, the real Jin appeared in the studio at that time. She stared at me in utter shock. Alex and that woman were also surprised. They'd mistaken their motto with me. However, there was no apology from them. They just threw me out, calling me a fraud. How rude people are after all. After that incident, I sat down on the pavement and I cried. I was so scared. I was lost and didn't know how to find my parents. I wanted to go back to the bunker. And even though it was cramped and gloomy, it was a normal environment for me and my family. I walked down the street as far as I could see until I met a policeman. Seeing my condition, he asked me what had happened. I told him the details of my situation. He didn't believe me about the bunker, but he promised to find my parents. They took me to the police station, where I spent full 24 hours. But it was worth it, because the next night, my parents came to pick me up. Stacy, honey, we're so glad we found you. We were so worried. Me too. I hugged mom and dad, and I cried tears of joy. The policeman asked me sternly if it was true that we were living in a bunker. I just wanted to say that it was true. My father interrupted and said, That a bunker is what we call our little provincial town. Later, my parents explained to me that we shouldn't tell outsiders where we lived. Are we going back to the bunker? No, my daughter. My mother said, and she stroked my head. We'll live here now. I was very upset because I didn't like this world at all. In the books, it was different, but in reality, it was noisy and dusty and terribly cruel. Turns out, my parents had an apartment all along. We started living there. At first, it was very hard for me to fall asleep in a soft bed, going out to the store every day and standing in huge lines. But most of all, for some reason, it was the loud music that scared me. I wanted to hide from it as quickly as possible. Also. It seemed very strange to me that people would ask me how I was doing, but when I started to tell them my life story, they didn't listen to me at all. How silly. They asked, didn't they? However, I really liked the internet. But when I started using it, I ran into some scammers. They stole all the money from my dad's account that I'd been saving in there for 20 years. Can you believe it? I was so ashamed. I even tried to lie about having nothing to do with it. You think the money disappeared on its own? Dad frowned. Of course. 
the internet is so unpredictable and confusing. But in the end, Dad cracked me up and only scolded me for lying to him. That's how we ended up with no money. I was insanely ashamed of what I'd done, and I wanted to give my father back all his savings. But how? I don't know how to do anything. I didn't even go to school. They probably wouldn't hire me without it. However, good luck turned to me. One day, I met the very same gin in a store. The girl recognized me and apologized for the way I'd been treated so rudely. And then, she made me a lucrative offer. Since we looked so much alike, we could do a couple's photo shoot. That would be awesome. The PR people would come up with a story about missing twins who meet up years later. But that's a lie. I objected. Yeah, but why do we care? They'll pay a lot. That's all that matters. Do you agree? Of course I said yes. After all, our family needed the money. But I really didn't like modeling. Everyone yelled at me. They were always pulling my hair. And I had to pose for hours at a time. Oh, it was exhausting. Jin, on the other hand, was happy with everything. She once told me that we were making a lot of money now, and she was giving half of it to me. But then I found out by chance that she wasn't giving me half of what she earned, but only a third. Even she lied to me, although I trusted her, told her about the problems in the family. But Jin was devoid of empathy, and she cared more about making money than about my trouble. After that, I quit my job, even though I needed the money. Our family would get by somehow, but I wasn't going to put up with the lie, because I knew that if you've been cheated once, then they would cheat you the second and third time. My parents, learning about this situation, supported me, and then made an appointment to see a psychologist, because every day in the big city, I was getting worse and worse. Thanks to therapy, I stopped being afraid of music big buildings and the strange people that were all around me and I finally started using the subway and I even felt comfortable there. The subway was underground. It reminded me remotely of my home bunker. Later, when our family had money, my parents hired me a homeschooling teacher so I wouldn't look too stupid at 17. That's how drastically my life changed when I came out of the bunker. I'm used to it now. And I remember my past adventures with laughter. How would you feel in the big city after living in isolation? Write your answers in the comments. Click the bell so you don't miss new stories. And like this video. Hi everyone, I'm Alice. And I really love pets. Do you have pets at home? As for our family, we have a cat and a lion. Yup, you heard right, a real lion. My dad is a veterinarian and my mom is a zoologist. She works for an animal welfare organization. That's why they often have to travel around the world to help animals that got into trouble. I love my parents and I'm proud of what they do, but I'm often left alone for a long time because they are away a lot. Well, not all alone. I have a cat, Tom. Tom has lived with us for a very long time. He is the rightful owner of the house, and like all the family members, he has his own duties. For example, Tom is an alarm clock for me. In the morning, he climbs on top of me and starts licking my face. I simply can't fight off the annoying cat, so I have to leave my warm bed. I wash up, feed my cat, and then I have an ordinary day, just like any 15-year-old teenager would have.
My parents came back from another trip. They were dressed as if they had just returned from a safari. Mom said that this time they helped in building a nature reserve in South Africa. Usually we would gather in the living room after each trip and I would listen to their adventure stories open-mouthed. It always ended in the same way. I begged my parents to take me with them, but they said I was still too young and I had to finish school first. I thought that since I couldn't go with them to different countries and watch wild animals, then we could go to our local zoo altogether. I thought it was a great idea, but my mother didn't like it because she hates zoos. She says that the animals are kept there in terrible conditions and are cooped up in cramped cages. Maybe it's true, and maybe she's right, but I didn't think about it. I just wanted to see with my own eyes all the wonderful animals about which they talked so much. Mom understood me. She realized what it was like to listen to the stories about adventures without participating in them, so she agreed to go to the zoo as a family. We went there the next weekend. It simply blew me away. It may sound silly, but I was 15 and I knew everything about animals from my parents' stories, but I never saw them live. I ran from one enclosure with animals to another until I finally got to the cage with lions. I watched those big cats move slowly but very gracefully around the enclosure. Then my parents came over. A small fluffy lump caught my attention. It was breathing hard and fast. The lump lay all alone. I pointed it out to my mom. Mom gasped and ran away somewhere at the same moment. Dad and I followed her. We found her in the administration building where she was arguing loudly with the director. From their argument, I realized that the fluffy lump was a little lion cub and its mother had given up on it. She said that the lion cub was in a critical condition and if no one helped it right away, it would die. The director said that it was a normal process and it just needed some time to adapt. However, he had to give in when my mother showed him her zoologist certificate. Mom and Dad went to the director's office. I stayed in the corridor and waited for them. In the evening, I asked many questions, but for some reason they didn't answer me and said that I would see everything myself soon. In the morning, I realized what they meant. In the morning, Tom woke me up again and I went down to the kitchen to feed him. But you can't even imagine how surprised I was when I saw a little lion cub eating from the cat's bowl. It was the same lump I had seen the day before. I rushed to caress and stroke him. Then my mother came in. She said that the little lion would live with us for a while until it recovered. Mom was the only person in the city who had sufficient experience, so she volunteered to take care of it, and I was supposed to be her assistant. Mom also added that I should be careful with the lion cub because it limped. When I realized that a real king of beasts would live in our house, I was on cloud nine. I would finally participate in my parents' adventures. I was the happiest teenager ever. Alex, that's what I call the lion cub, and I were always together. When I was at school, I couldn't wait to come home and play with him. Once, I even woke up in the morning because Alex was licking me, and Tom was sitting contentedly on the side of the bed and watching it all. Tom seemed to teach him to do it. 
On the whole, Tom was like a father to Alex, and the lion cub tried to repeat after him. So Alex and I played, swam in the backyard, and even watched TV. One morning, I woke up as usual because someone was licking me. When I opened my eyes, I nearly jumped out of my bed. A huge lion with a hairy mane was sitting on me. No, Alex didn't grow up in one day. The thing was that a year had gone by. We spent so much time together with him that I didn't even notice how he had turned into an adult lion. All this time, my parents were up and doing. They tried to release Alex into the wild where other lions lived, but his forepaws were still injured and releasing him into the wild meant his inevitable death because he wouldn't be able to get any food for himself. Therefore, he still lived with us. In fact, the big cat caused a lot of inconvenience. He was becoming a predator and animal instincts were arousing in him. One evening, the whole family was watching a show about zebras. When Alex was a lion cub, he watched them with curiosity. But now, as soon as Alex saw the zebras, he got up on four legs and pushed off. He jumped right onto the screen to catch his prey, but he just pushed the TV set instead of a zebra. The TV set crashed and Alex hid behind the sofa, frightened by the sparks. Dad carefully cut off the power to the TV set. Mom and Dad began to clean up and discuss what had happened. My parents told me and Alex to go to my room. I realized that it was no good. Alex realized it too. When I sat down on the bed in my room, he came up to me and put his muzzle on my knees. In the morning, I was getting ready for school. That day I was in a hurry and I forgot something. Do you think I forgot my keys or my phone? No, I forgot to lock the door. And it would be fine, but Alex knew that if he put his paws on the door handle, it would open. My classmates and I were in the park near the school. Suddenly, I heard screams and yells, and then a whole bunch of children ran towards the playground. At first, I didn't understand what was happening, but I heard the word lion among the children's cries. I looked into the distance, and I saw my Alex running towards me, limping on his forepaws. He jumped on me and knocked me off my feet. The kids on the playground screamed that the lion wanted to eat Alice. But the lion didn't want to eat me, he was just licking my face, and I laughed out loud. Then the viewers began to woo, but there were no daredevils who went down to stroke the cute lion. Of course, a lion walking freely around the city and jumping on teenagers couldn't be ignored, so a few minutes later a police car, which was patrolling the area nearby, drove up to us. However, the officers were scared and didn't dare to get out of the car right away. They did it only after they saw that I was stroking the lion. They were clearly at a loss and didn't know how to react to that. When one of the police officers wanted to approach us, Alex began to roar, which scared everyone around. I guess Alex thought that the officer wanted to harm me and he warned him not to do it with his menacing roar. The police realized that I was the only person the lion obeyed, so they asked me to put him into the patrol car. I followed their instructions in order not to frighten the others. At first, I sat in the back of the car, and then Alex joined me. We could hardly fit there together. 
The cops were scared, but the metal mesh between the back and front of the car gave them some confidence. However, I saw them jump up in fear whenever Alex roared. This amused me a lot, and I could hardly keep from laughing. The officers listened carefully to my explanations and talked to my mother on the phone. After that, they decided to take us back home. My parents were already waiting for us in front of the house, and they told us to go inside. The police officer said that they were obliged to inform the city administration to resolve the problem. Mom looked sad and told them that everything had already been settled. I found out at home how everything had been settled. It took my dad a lot of time to figure out how to tell me about their decision, but he worked up the nerve and said that they had finally found the right place for Alex. I began to protest and tell them that Alex shouldn't be released into the wild because of his injury and he could die there. I burst into tears. Mom said that Alex wouldn't go there. He wouldn't even get into the nature reserve. Alex would go to a wonderful safari park where he and friendly lions like him would play together. Alex and Tom came to the living room, both looking very sad. They seemed to understand that it was time for them to say goodbye. I wiped away my tears with my sleeve. Perhaps it was really the best solution because he would make new friends there and there was clearly more territory than our small house. In the morning, the whole family, including Alex, went to the safari park. The director was already waiting for us there. Surprisingly, he wasn't afraid of Alex at all and even stroked him. He walked Alex to the enclosure. I must admit, the territory there was huge, unlike in a zoo. Before leaving, Alex licked my face as he usually did in the morning. Then he turned around and ran away limping. I saw him run to play with other lions. Seeing this, I realized that it was a better place for him. My parents noticed that I was upset. Dad smiled and said that I could visit him every weekend. I was very happy because I wasn't ready to let Alex out of my life, and I realized that he wasn't ready either because then I heard his roar when we left. Don't be afraid, Alex. I'll see you next Saturday. Do you have unusual pets at home? Tell me about your animals in the comments, like the video, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Hello, my name is Pepper, and I have not had any emotions since I was born. Probably many people would like to be in my place so as not to worry about their problems, but trust me, it's very difficult to live like this. When I was just born, no one could even think that something was wrong with me. Like all babies, I just cried and slept and asked for food. But only a year later, my parents began to notice that I was really different from other kids. For example, the daughter of my mother's friend was already smiling at my age when she saw her parents or her favorite toy and cried a lot when she was left alone. My reaction to everything was neutral, and I only whimpered when I was in pain or wanted to eat. And the older I got, the more worried my parents got. They did not understand what was going on with me. When I was four years old, there occurred an incident that really puzzled them. As usual, I was running around the yard and playing when suddenly a neighbor's dog rushed towards me. It just broke off the leash and started barking loudly, trying to bite me. When the dog was taken away, I did not start crying or at least even screaming. I just took my doll and began to comb its hair as if nothing had happened. My parents thought that I was just in a state of shock because of the extreme stress and immediately took me to the doctor. 
After long examinations, I was diagnosed with a terrible condition called alexithymia. When my mother began to cry, I did not understand what was happening to her. It turns out that with this disease, my emotions cannot overcome a block in the cerebral cortex. That's why I also cannot recognize other people's emotions. This can be compared to colorblindness, with which a person cannot distinguish colors at all. But in my case, these were not colors, but inner sensations. So I was growing up in an emotional vacuum. Various events were happening around me, but I remained as cold-blooded as a robot. When I went into the first grade, my beloved grandmother passed away, and even then I could not feel anything. It was sometimes very difficult for my parents to educate me and teach me something. At first glance, I might seem aloof and even feeble-minded, but in fact, my brain was not distracted by emotions, so I perceived any information faster than others. Also, my illness blocked fear as well. I could not feel anything negative, therefore I had nothing to be afraid of. For example, unlike other people, I went to the dentist without any hesitation. But because of this disease, my body is too sensitive to pain. Since the time when I was born, I had a very low pain tolerance, and even stomach cramps or a small bruise became a terrible endurance test for me. Once, I had a horrible headache when I was at school. An ordinary person could easily cope with such an ailment, but for me, this became a real nightmare. Because of the unbearable pain, I wasn't able to speak for some time and was about to faint. No one noticed that I felt really bad because I still looked calm. While remaining conscious with great difficulty, I began to hum and pinch my hand to make myself cry. It took several more minutes before the teacher realized that I wasn't feeling well. Apart from pain, there was another problem, that is, communication with peers. Since the first grade, I had no friends at all. Some of the kids were just bored to play with a cold-hearted girl, and many of them were even afraid of me. You know, it's very difficult to interact with a person when they have a soulless mask instead of a face. A distant look in my eye and complete indifference pushed all the people away from me. I would like to say that it made me upset, but I cannot. Although subconsciously, I felt attachment towards the closest people, but I could not express this in any way. However, the older I got, the easier it was for me to communicate with others. Yes, I still did not show any emotions, but I could act interested with whoever it was possible to discuss various topics. Also, thanks to my cold mind, I was able to solve many teenage problems. When for some reason people lost their friends or loved ones, they often said that they envied me and dreamed of getting rid of all of their emotions so that they would never feel mental pain again. I did not understand their wish because it's very difficult to live without emotions. I cannot be happy or feel sympathy for anyone, and because of this, I have no friends. But I really wanted to share my secrets with someone as well, spend time together, and go to the movies. For many people, I was just an excellent advisor, but not a friend. But at some point, everything changed. After classes, I attended extracurricular Spanish lessons where I got acquainted with a new girl. Her name was Liz, and soon we started spending more time together. I felt comfortable when communicating with her because she would not ask about my illness like others did. Liz even taught me to smile realistically. You can't imagine how difficult it was to do this, but as a result, I could take a selfie with a charming smile. We also had a common hobby. We both loved to color in children's coloring books, and of course, we did not tell anyone about it. And one day, Liz noticed that I only used dark markers. 
I had to admit that these were the colors in which I saw the world around me. After several months had passed since we met, Liz invited me to her birthday party, and I presented her cool headphones that she had dreamed of for a long time. Liz burst into tears and said that she had never had such a close friend. Even after hearing such warm words, I did not react to them in any way because I could not. She noticed this and tried to cheer me up. At home, for the rest of the evening, I tried to understand myself because my heart was beating faster than usual and my stomach was cramping because of tension. I've read that this is how the body responds to anger. Apparently, today's situation with Liz's confession and my indifferent reaction to her words evoked something like an emotion. My body was shaking and, for some reason, my health seriously deteriorated. For several days, I had not left the house, fearing that I would have that strange attack again. However, Liz soon persuaded me to take a short walk in our favorite park. There were always few people around, which we really liked. Liz suddenly stopped for a moment and then fell to the ground unconscious. My heart was beating fast and my body got tense, but I felt neither fear nor panic. I touched her hair and it was very hot. This was heat stroke. I dragged my friend into the shade, wetted her head with water from a bottle, and ran for help since I forgot my phone at home and Liz's phone was dead. I rushed to a young couple asking for help, but this looked like a stupid prank because there were no emotions on my face. I spoke in a calm and steady manner without any panic and tears, but the guy and the girl just laughed at me and began to look around searching for a hidden camera or any viewers. I couldn't even shout at them angrily, which made me powerless. Then I literally began to pull them towards Liz, but everything was in vain. Having run around half the park, I realized that I could not find help. After returning to my friend, I found that she was still unconscious. Suddenly, I felt dizzy. Everything went dark, and there appeared a painful lump in my throat. I felt worse every minute. I got down on my knees next to her, and tears were flowing down my cheeks, but my mind was still cold. Fortunately, a woman who was passing by noticed us and immediately called an ambulance. Doctors arrived quickly and took both of us to the hospital. I was immediately sent to a specialist who had been monitoring my condition since childhood. He was shocked by what he saw during an examination. The reaction of my body was caused by such a strong surge of emotions that they overcame the block. Everything that I experienced in the park, being next to Liz, was just a tiny part of what an ordinary person can feel. However, for me, it turned out to be a very serious blow. The doctor said that I should undergo treatment in order to better understand what was going on with me. Later, my parents came to the hospital. The doctor started telling them about a complex surgery that hypothetically could relieve the symptoms of alexithymia. But then I would get a severe emotional shock, and it is highly probable that it could lead to death. Of course, they were against it, although this outcome did not frighten me at all. The doctor also suggested a therapy with which the block could be slightly weakened, but the process itself was going to be incredibly difficult for me. The principle of the treatment was simple. It was supposed to evoke such strong feelings in me due to which emotions would gradually overcome the block in the cerebral cortex. All this was supposed to be accompanied by severe weakness and headaches. I realized that it would be hard and even painful, but agreed anyway. Every few days, doctors tried to evoke a variety of emotions in me, from incredible joy to terrible sadness, and this began to bear fruit. When my parents or Liz came to my ward, I felt a bit better, although I could not express this. 
As a result, after several months of treatment, I developed something like a mood, but this still cannot be called emotions. Now I am having a break between therapies, so I returned home. Liz advised me to start a blog for alexithymia patients and show by my own example that it is possible to fight such a disease. My friendship with her is even stronger now. She often comes to visit me with new coloring books, and I notice that I smile unintentionally when I see her, which gives me hope that soon I will become a normal person. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and so on, and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast, My Animated Story, by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.